Here's our series on aging in Portland. Retired or rewired? What it's like getting old in a youth-centered city. Are you up for that challenge? We'll bring you lots of views, but you'll have to answer this question for yourself. Is Portland a good place in which to grow old? This is the 19th episode in KBOO's series on what it's like to age in Portland. We call it Retired or Rewired. Today we're talking with Lynn Trainer and Lee Radovich. Lynn was one of the key people in getting the village movement off the ground in Portland and making it one of the most successful locations in the nation for this important program. Lynn is a driving force behind Villages Northwest. And Lee Radovich is a member of River West Village who volunteers to keep others living at home. She's in her 80s and has lived in her home since 1956. She'll do whatever it takes, including light housekeeping, to help a neighbor stay in their home. What is the village movement? Where did it come from? So the village movement began in 1999 when there was a huge snowstorm in Boston and a group of longtime residents of the Beacon Hill and Back Bay areas decided that they were going to need help cleaning their roofs and things like that if they were going to stay in their homes. So they explored the idea and they created a nonprofit organization where neighbors would help neighbors stay neighbors. And that idea has swept across the country since they opened their doors in 2001. So the movement originated in Boston. It spread across the country. It now has how many? There are 200 villages open across the country and another 150 in development. Wow. How long does it take to develop one? It generally takes somewhere between two to four years. And how did this movement get to Portland? It came in 2011 when a woman named Ann Andler, who had worked with villages in San Francisco, moved back to Portland and started looking around and wanted to know why there were no villages. And so she decided if there weren't villages here, she would have to start one. And once she started it, people began pounding on her door saying, how do we do this? And from that, Villages Northwest was born. So how many villages do we have here in Portland now? We have eight villages in the greater Portland metropolitan area. Six are open, and two are still in the social uh, phase before they begin offering services. So the villages are, um, there's northeast Portland, southeast Portland. There's one in inner northeast North Portland. There's one in southwest. There's one in Beaverton one in um, western Washington County, which is Aloha, um, Hillsboro, Forest Grove, and Cornelius. And then the two that are still in development are in Vancouver, Washington, and Lake Oswego, West Lynn. Good. Well, you've covered the entire geographic metropolitan area here pretty much. Not quite. We actually have uh, in Milwaukee on March 7th at 10.30 a.m., we are having a meeting in, in the Milwaukee area to talk about forming a village there. Good. Um, when you say southeast, I mean, that's a mm-hmm. huge area. All the areas you mentioned are huge. So it's yeah. not a problem that it's not like a little little village it, Geographically, it can be the entire southeast district, which is probably you know, right. 50 square miles. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, the villages aren't a physical place. They're a plan for aging in your own home. And so um, 
for example, the East Side Village, which was our first village to open, goes from the Willamette River to 122nd Avenue and from I-84 down to the Multnomah County border with Milwaukee. So that's a very large area, and it really is the physical areas are more where do you have social activities, where do people gather, and how far volunteers may go in providing a service. Is it good to have these large areas, or would it be better to have one for Milwaukee? Well, what will happen is, based on what's happened in other villages across the country, is as the village grows from starting with maybe 30 members, some villages now have over 1,000 members, then they tend to sort of break into sub-villages in different neighborhoods. So you might have, say in southeast, you might have a... Reed College area village, and then you might have one that's over closer to Lloyd Center, you know, and and so people would get together socially, but the volunteers still would go throughout the whole region. Is 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 each village distinct from the other ones, or is it just like where they are? Well, each village has very similar properties in that we all strive to expand the social network within our area. We um, provide activities. We provide services. But those social activities may change or vary based on the volunteers and the members in each village and what they're interested in. So, for example, in Beaverton, they have a group that meets once a month to share life stories. There's a group in North Portland that meets to read plays you know, there's a walking group in another village. So, right. Do you have any groups that meet to drink beer? Oh, many. <laughs> it, eating oh, is very yeah, important. Lee, <laughs> uh, you've been quiet. What, what's your village? What village do you uh, subscribe to? And Well, um, I live in River West Village, and uh, it goes from um, the river clear up to Shoals Ferry Road, which is past Garden Home, and um, from the south down by Boone's Ferry up to about Highway 26. How long have you been in that uh, village? Oh, um, we just went live last October to provide services, but um, they've been meeting for about um, three or four years. And um, each village has an own governing council. I am a volunteer, (laughs) and uh, so I have been asked to help out a lady that uh, is confined to a walker. So I have um, helped with lighthouse keeping. Did you tell me you've been in your house for 61 years? Uh, I have been in my home, actually, since 1956, and I hope that I can be there for a number more years. Is the primary purpose of the villages to get people, give people the opportunity to stay in their homes? That's one of the main um, reasons that people get connected with the village, but also... Older people like to feel that um, they're valuable, acquainted with this group of people 
who have been vetted. They have had background checks. So I gather that you, while you uh, help someone now, at some point you might uh, need some help from somebody else. And I have had some services already. Right. Okay. Uh, one thing, uh, my computer got a problem, so when I pushed on the right shift, why the whole page flew off to the right. One fellow came over and solved my problem. He had to work about half an hour, but <laughs> yeah. he, he was about my age. Okay, well, good. So it's mutually supporting. Uh, is there, let me get back to you, uh, Lynn, are there dues? Do you have to pay some dues to join? Yes, it's a membership organization, and the typical uh, full-service membership is about $45 a month for an individual. And for that, in most of our villages, um, someone can have up to three round-trip rides a week, plus um, other services, access to all of our social events, and to some a vetted vendor program. Seems a little pricey. That's like 500 bucks a year, right? But a lot less than, say, 4500 to go into assisted care. There are things you're already spending money on, right. like a plumber. You know, if you call a plumber out, you're going to probably spend a couple hundred dollars, and maybe it's something simple that somebody else could fix, a handyman could fix. So one of our volunteers could come in and do that for you. Uh, we had one woman who was very concerned about being able to afford the services, and then as we talked with her more, she told us that twice a month she takes a cab to her son's house for Sunday dinner. Well, if our volunteers could provide her with those rides, that more than makes up her um, membership fee. And then the social membership I forgot to mention is, or the associate membership is $25 a month for most of our villages. That gives people the opportunity to be in, involved in all of our social activities. And um, it's also kind of an insurance policy because most of our villages with that membership, um, you get a few services a year in the village that Lee and I live in, we get four. So if you need a ride to the airport or you need some other assistance, you can begin to think of the village to help with that. Um, if you have a accident or an injury, uh, one of my friends fell last year on the snow and broke her leg. Um, we would give you a temporary upgrade to full service at no charge for up to six weeks, depending on the village. And you get a tax deduction for that, so it helps establish the village. Oh, you mean the the the, the payment, the monthly payment is tax free for the social for the social associate member. Twenty five dollars. The twenty five dollars. Lee, you're nodding affirmatively. How do you feel about the payments? I think it's uh, really a, a bargain. It's um, just reassuring to know that help is there. And uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting social events that um, I take part in. Give us a, an example of the social events that you like. Well, um, there is a weekly women's coffee. There's also a weekly men's coffee. There is a monthly salon where we discuss some heavy topics like... Um, how do you engage with people who have the opposite political views? Then um, 
There's a book club once a month. Let's see. Happy club. the happy hour. Happy month hour. A, a monthly happy hour. It's her martinis. Whatever. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> in uh, a regular place every month. We we actually have two um, happy hours every month. Then there are um, other things that people go to. Uh, there might be a trip to a symphony or to the art museum or whatever uh, some people come up with. There's so, quite a few social activities. So as we get older, sometimes our social group gets a bit smaller. So it's... You get isolated, social isolation. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of your, your co members, fellow members, could come up with an idea, like they want to go to the uh, Wyeth exhibit, and uh, they say, yeah, we'll, we'll carpool, or is that what they do, carpool? They do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, everybody's they get... to be at my house at 9 o'clock on Friday, and mm -hmm. get group break. Yeah, we had a potluck at my house a couple weeks ago. Cool. It's nice to have these friends. Does the village promote physical exercise and mental exercise? Do you do anything like that? Well, uh, one thing, uh, the walking groups um, get quite a bit of exercise. Walking groups? What is, where do you walk? How far do you walk? Uh, it varies. Some are um, more uphill than others, so some of them are fairly flat. You got to find the right level for yourself. Yes, there's various people that enjoy walking, and uh, they organize the walk and let people know. We've got a website, and so people. What's your website? It's um, www.riverwestvillage. River West. River West Village. Now Riverwestvillage.com. That, that's org. Dot org. Yes, <laughs> that, that is the one where I live. Right. Yeah. Is there an overall uh, website, uh, yes. Lynn, for the whole entity of the village movement here? Exactly. It's uh, www.villagesnw.org. And you can link to any of the village websites from that master site. So if you lived in the Portland metro area, you could go to that website and figure out, like, well, which village should I join? Yes, there is a map on the on the website, and it will help you figure out where where you Suppose you, you in. lived in um, in Vancouver and you wanted to meet people like Lee. Could you join the uh, group that she's in, or do you have to join the one you're in? Well, we encourage people to join the one in their own area because if they get to a point they need services, then they're already connected. But we have accepted people, especially in the development stage, for people who want to be part of the village where there's no village yet. So we have welcomed them into our social activities. And where we border, we've had the question come up where villages border each other. And for River West and Viva, which is the Beaverton village, we've had somebody call and say, all my friends belong to the Beaverton village, and I'm four blocks into River West. You know, why can't I join Viva? And we're like, you need to join where where you fit in. We want we want you to be part of the movement. 
But just be aware that if you get to a point where you need services and you live at a distance outside the village, we might not be able to provide those. Right. That makes sense. We're going to pause to catch our breath here, and we'll be back for more discussion with Lynn and Lee about finding the right village for you or setting one up if you'd like to try that. Uh, how, how does a village fit into the lives of uh, younger adults or children? I would think some of your members have, have uh, children living at home. Isn't that right? Yes. And, um, you know, some people have asked us whether the kids could come and help with different things. One of the things we're talking about in our own village is having a technical workshop where we bring in some teenagers and our members can bring their devices to where we have our coffees and sit down with those teenagers and figure out how to use their smartphones or their iPads or to troubleshoot them. So we're looking at ways to do that. Um, because we background check everybody uh, that goes into a member's home, we ha do not use young people under 18 yet um, in home activities. Wait a minute, what kind of background check do you do? Uh, we work with a national organization called Verified Volunteers. Uh, that it, They do a national criminal background check based on seven years of addresses. So if somebody like Lee has lived in their same address for 60 years, it would go back 60 years to their record yeah. and tell us if there were any issues. Do you deal with uh, fraud or scamming or anything like that? Does that come up? Um, generally, our mission as the villages is to be fill the gaps that other programs don't fill as well. So there are other organizations like Elders in Action that have personal advocates that help with things like that. So if we were concerned about that, we would probably contact Elders in Action for advice and try to guide the member to uh, somebody who really specializes in that. Do you think that the city is doing what it needs to do for the elderly? I think the city has so many different things to do that they don't have the time to, or the resources to delve into that. I think that's one of the reasons that villages are so important. 90% of people, according to an AARP study, really would prefer to age at home. And the resources aren't there, just like we don't have resources for schools and everything. So how are we going to do that? We're going to have to figure that out, because if we wait for government to figure it out, there's going to be a whole lot of people in trouble. So our goal as a nonprofit organization is to fill that social need and develop this network of villages who are the go-to resource for people. There are programs that do a lot of things, but there are gaps. For example, you know, after our village opened last fall, we had a woman contact us who had had surgery. She'd had a complication. She'd been with her daughter for a week, and she wanted to go back to her house. And she had family support, but she called us, and she's like, I need somebody every day for three weeks. And we'd been open about three weeks, and we were a little... Um, intimidated at the thought of trying to fulfill that kind of a request. But we talked with her. We found out really what her needs were, and we were able to arrange for a volunteer to go once a day 
for two weeks. It actually was ended up being seven different volunteers. One of them made her a pot of soup. One did some mending for her. One, you know, <clears throat> swept the kitchen floor. You know, they they lifted boxes that she couldn't do. They filled in. We had another woman recently whose husband was in hospice at home, and she called us, and she's like, he's got support, but I need support. You know, again, she was working on how do you control your environment when you're going through that kind of stressful situation? And so we were able to help her, like, put up some shelves that he had not finished and just take care of some of the household things. How does one start a village if um, you, uh, you, our listeners are thinking, boy, this might yeah. work in my neighborhood mm-hmm. in uh, Sullivan's Gulch? What's the paperwork? Do we have to have a lawyer? How complicated does it get? So one of the things we have done here in Portland that's different from the rest of the country is we have just one nonprofit organization, and we're developing all the villages under that one umbrella. And so so we have the legal corporate entity already, and we have a process that people can use to become part of the village's Northwest organization. What is really needed is a core group of about five to 10 people, who volunteers, who will shepherd the village during its growth phase, do the outreach, build a base of support, you know, get those volunteers and the people who want to be members. And that takes anywhere from two to four years. And we will help guide them through that process. Did you say two to four years? Yes. Seems like a long time. Well, again, it's a grassroots process. So we try to have, by the time we open, our goal is to open each village with about 30 members and about 30 to 50 volunteers. And so we try to build a base of four to 600 people by the time we open to get that core pool of members and volunteers. I understand. Lee, I'm gonna give you the last word. Well, I think it's just a very reassuring thing to have uh, these wonderful people to rely on in case that I'm not able to manage a number of things. And um, it sounds very good to me to be able to stay in my own home and uh, be in control of my own schedule. I've um, understood what the uh, assisted living situation is like. That I helped a sister-in-law who lived many years in assisted living. And you have to get used to their schedule and what they eat and um, it's wonderful to be independent. And one thing that we haven't mentioned, we have um, some person who uh, collects the names of good painters, good plumbers, and um, uh, I asked them, I wanted to put in a sprinkler system in my front lawn, and um, I got the names of a couple recommendations through the village so they have a lot of help and my daughter who's in her 60s also is benefiting from the social um, affairs that is there anything else I should have um, raised any other points that you guys want to talk about 
Yes, I think one of the things that we would like to talk about is that this is a, a opportunity for people who are transitioning from work to get involved in a meaningful way. Uh, many of us, as we age, well, baby boomers in general think they're not going to age, but um, we can. But you do find when you leave work that again your network of friends narrows because you don't have those people that you're socializing with that work every day, and your skills. You may have skills that get rusty, so um, you know this is a a way for people to get involved, to use some of the expertise they have, because we basically have nine simultaneous startups. So we can use people. I had a guy come recently, a uh, volunteer at the hub level, which is the Villages Northwest nonprofit level. And just as we were hiring a couple of part-time managers in two of the villages, he came to us, and his background was that he'd been a city manager for 40 years. And so he was able to help us set up the policies and procedures for HR to get that program to get us connected. You know, so we're looking so for people who have special expertise. Lynn Trainer and Lee Radovich, thank you for joining us here at KBU today. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we hear from Terry Niesel. I met Terry at the Hollywood Senior Center. She's a volunteer at the Gift Consignment Center, and she takes care of her mom, who's 89 and is still living in her own home here in Portland. Here's Terry. Her mom has lived in the city of Portland, in the same house in the Alameda neighborhood, or? For 54 years. 54 yeah. years. Yep. This, I think this may all be 55. Okay. What does your mom like about being in Portland? Just the fact that she's lived here all her life? Probably, yeah, and she doesn't intend to move until she goes upstairs. Does she get around okay? She uses a walker. She's got pretty bad arthritis, but she does get out with Ride About, Ride Connection. Yeah. That's an excellent, excellent program. And she goes anywhere from one to two times a week with them. They go take them shopping or like tomorrow she's going to the Rainbow Trap Farm with the group. Terry, what so, is Ride About? I've known forever. Ride About. Um, it's through, uh, well, I think Ride Connection is actually the program. They have like lift-sized buses, you know, that they come to the house. The, is it uh -huh. free? Yep, totally free. She gets the calendar every month that shows day by day. Does your mom get over here to the Hollywood Senior Center? Uh, she's come with me some a few times, yeah. And she could also take the bus from them. They would they provide services to doctors' appointments, and she's she's gotten them to take her to the beauty parlor, and they would bring her here if she wanted to come, you know, by herself or. If, when I'm here, but if I bring her, she'll come. Well, it sounds like she really enjoys being here in Portland, not only because you're here, but just because of the city. Yes, yeah. She has a sister who is 90 that lives um, kind of in the Tuleys <laughs> in Castle Rock, um, and she's, she's up in the... But she prefers up there. She she wouldn't move down to the city, <laughs> even though she's by, her, you know, by herself now, but... 
Anything you want so. to tell us about uh, being old in, in Port- Portland? A lot of it for me is seeing some of the, a lot of the changes, the, the traffic and the housing and all that kind of stuff, the cost of housing. You know, I saw in the news this morning, a person to afford a one-bedroom apartment has to make over $37,000 a year. And that's not affordable for a lot of people. And I think, you know, when she goes, I'll probably have to sell the house. I mean, she, she's gotten a reverse mortgage on it. And I don't know that I could, on Social Security, I wouldn't probably be able to afford to live there. But Will you want to stay in Portland? Do you think you'll be able to? I hope so. Because, I mean, I've been here my entire life and my kids are here. And Right. This is your route, your home. Yes, exactly. Northeast Portland. Terry, thank you so much. For You're welcome. Thank you. Today. And well. Thanks for what you do here. This is a cool place. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> in our final episode, we'll be reviewing what we learned in the course of preparing this series. You'll hear from many of the people who are doing what they can to make elderly living easier. And we'll answer the question we posed at the beginning. Is Portland a good place in which to grow old? Don't miss that final episode. You've been listening to our series on Aging in Portland, Retired or Rewired. You can listen to any episode in this series or the entire series if you go to kboo.fm and look for the show under my name, Tom Flynn. Thanks for joining us today.